the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello. Whether you chose to do it on purpose or accidentally clicked on it somehow, you're listening to White Sox Business. Please stay. Podcast. <laughs> the Athletics Podcast about the one and only Chicago White Sox. I am Tom Fernelli, and joining me today is the only person I know who can do a backflip without spilling his beer. It's the Athletics' James Fegan. We are recording the show on Thursday, May 21st, and it's it's a special episode, James, because uh, for those that are listening who are regular listeners of the show, they know that after the intro, we typically lead the show off with some kind of news or maybe an interview, and then we go on from there. Well... We, we don't have an interview in today's show, and we don't have any news either. So uh, what we do have is a baseball movie draft in which I'm hoping Cam actually drafts baseball movies and doesn't take movies that might have had like a baseball game on the TV Bull in the Durham. background during B-O-W-L. <laughs> I used or, that joke in our text thread last yeah. night. I didn't receive any laughs, so I don't yeah. think it yeah. made. You, you assume we hadn't read it. Is that what you're going off of? <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I love that. That with no reaction to it, Cam's probably his 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 thought was probably, "Oh yeah, this is going to be gold in the draft. I'm going to save it for the actual show. This is so good." Anyways, <laughs> thanks for that, Cam. Uh, James, before we get to our draft, though, since we've got you know. No news to talk about. What I thought was you could just pick one random talk topic for us to talk about for a couple minutes. So go. I mean, I had one, and then you revealed the sad um, fact when you said that you don't know anybody who can do a backflip without spilling his beer. That you never got the pleasure of meeting Courtney Hawkins at any point during his White Sox run. He um, could do it without spilling his beer. I mean, why not? I knew he could do the backflip. The whole world knew he could do the backflip. He did it during the draft, and God knows everybody watched the MLB a- any, draft. Any any skill set that you can envision that's not uh, recognizing spin out of the hand, Courtney can probably do. <laughs> can he solve the Sunday New York Times crossword in less than five minutes? I assume he gets them early and uh, knocks them out. Wow! So what's what's the random topic? Uh, it's on, not a random to topic. I just thought that uh, um, Jim Margulis, the Sox Machine, asked an interesting question that I thought I'd throw at you. Since I am an unfeeling, objective journalist who has no opinions on anything, uh, uh-huh. I, I just see the world for what it is and try to communicate it to you, uh, bias-ridden heathens. But to know also, about- I mean, also let's not forget you're actively rooting against sports coming back. Yes, uh, I love being home every day. It definitely hasn't crossed any tipping point where I'm just like surly and irritable and uh, feel like no purpose to my life, as as clearly evidenced by the stories I've been pumping out. Uh, <laughs> when we get back to baseball, it's going to be this weird, um, you know, if they do, it's going to be this weird half season uh, with weird divisions played in an empty environment where no one like hosts off the same adrenaline that they used to and every, all, all sorts of things, just like how the playoffs is somewhat a different animal than a 162 game season An 82 game season is a different animal from 162 game season in terms of the depth requirements and whatnot. There's going to be so many weird incidents as far as guys getting ramped up quickly and whether or not they can operate under a new environment. What would have as a fan it means to you for the White Sox to win the World Series at the end of an 82-game season. Like, how would it compare to 05 or even just other division-winning seasons? 
Uh, well, first of all, even if it was a 162-game season, a regular year without none of the bullshit, crazy shit that's going on, it still wouldn't mean as much as 2005 because that was, you know, that was ending however many years it was at that point. That was the first time they'd done it. And being, you know, a White Sox fan my entire life, finally seeing them win a World Series was everything that you ever wanted. So the second one, if they won this year, would be awesome no matter what. But no matter the situation, 2005 is always going to be the most special one. Uh, as for my feelings about this short year, I don't know. I think I have a hard time imagining that if the season, an 82-game season, if the White Sox have a great year and end up winning the World Series, I have a hard time imagining I'm going to be sitting there saying, oh, well, it just it doesn't feel as cool as it could have had they been playing from April instead of starting in July. You know what I mean? Like, I understand everybody else will want to put an asterisk on it, and I will, I will to a certain point, be like, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. That makes plenty of sense because it wasn't a normal season, but it's still a season, and... When you think about it, there's the rules that they play under, 162-game year. But that's not like, you know, that was on the one of the Ten Commandments. Like, Moses didn't bring that down from a mountain that said, baseball must be played. It was, you know, just a decision. I mean, they used to only play 144-game seasons. And when they went to 162, I mean, the record still stood. We don't look back at 144-game seasons and say, well, those are those are different. So, yeah, I, I understand that it would feel different and some people would want to play it off that it didn't matter. But if the White Sox win the World Series this year, whether they did it playing 25 games, 50 games, 80 games, or 162 games, I'm still going to be pretty fucking happy about it because everybody played by the same rules. And at the end of it, the White Sox were the champion. And like you mentioned, the fact that we play a 162-game season and then have an extremely short playoff in comparison to the regular season – like, that's kind of a random number generator in a sense on its own as it is. So if that's – if we don't judge that in, you know, where it's like, well, what does it really mean? Because, you know, they if the best team – like, uh, here, but like if a team goes 120 and 42 and then loses in like seven games in a playoff series and a team that was like 85 and 70, you know, seven – gets really hot in the playoffs and wins the World Series. Do we really think that 85-win team was better than the team that won 120 games? Probably not, but they're still the champion. So we see stuff like that already in the current format. So even if in a shorter season with the randomness that could go along with it, just getting hot at the right time, really not all that different from, you know, a normal size season. And again, normal being a you know, comparative term compared to what really is normal, I guess. It's it's a sport. It's whatever you play by, whatever the rules are. You play who they put in front of you. And then at the end, you play the playoff system based on what they told you the rules for that was. And the team at the end is declared champion. So yeah, if the White Sox win the World Series this year, I'm not going to be half like half-heartedly congratulating. I will be full on, yeah, fuck you, we won. Does it, I mean, I guess two questions. <laughs> That are entirely different. <laughs> cool. If they just tank and they're terrible in the last place team, do you just kind of, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, knowing how like weirdly compromised the season is, do you just like say, eh, you know, screw it, doesn't mean anything? Hell yeah. No. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. It's, that's, that's what I was kind of, it's, it's going to depend on how your team does, how you view the 2020 season. Because it's natural. If you if you have a great season, you're not going to cheapen it. And if you have a horrible season, then just you're 
going to be compelled to be like, yeah, well, you know, it's not all that bad. It doesn't really count. It was, it was a fake season. I don't think I will go that far because if if they go into this and finish in last place, yeah, an 82-game season is not 162 games. But if you're the worst team over 82 games, there's a very good chance that you're not going to be, you know, if you'd played 160, it's not like, oh, well, we would have made the playoffs if it was 162-game season. You were still a pretty shitty team. So yeah. if you if you look at it that way, I mean, I'll still be upset if they're a horrible team based on expectations of what we're coming in. Yes. I just think it'd probably be easier to rationalize than it would be like a full season. And I would assume for sure. like for the Sox to bottom out that intensely, like some stuff needs to happen like, well, really some stuff would need to happen like pitcher, pitching injuries <laughs> during the mm-hmm. ramp up. And that probably actually would be so damaging for the long term that you, uh-huh. you probably would induce panic. But like if you want to just hit like 200 for a season <laughs> It'd probably be easy enough to be like, all right, you know, it was a weird situation. Um, you know, he maybe ate some bad cheese at his house when he had that charcuterie company uh, over in his backyard. And, you know, just write it off to some degree. I don't know. Um, I, I, I feel like it'd be somewhat easy to rationalize. But I, I guess what the other question I was going to ask is, do you do you see do you assess the decisions you know the the old adage is if you win a world series kind of the, f- the flags fly forever like if uh you know if everything kind of blows up like a, if the white Sox won a world series in 2020 with yasmani grandal and then the next three seasons he's absolutely like a terrible albatross for some reason or like blew out his knee winning that world series and was never the same the typical rationalization was like, hey, it was worth it. They won the title that one year. It Does it have that same kind of effect of any kind of long-lasting kind of screw-up or uh, mess-up or anything that kind of hamstrings them going forward? If it did result in that one title, it's fine. It's justified. Does that kind of, that kind of rationalization still take place? I can only speak for myself here, obviously. And <clears throat> my thought is this. No matter what happens with Grandall's career with the White Sox, I'm, I, you know, process over results. I'm that's just what I how I approach things. I think signing Yasmani Grandell was a good move. I right. think that it was a smart move, and I think that it was the quote unquote correct move for this team to make. I, you know, I wish they'd made it a year earlier. This is the contract I wanted them to give Grandall before the twenty, you know, nineteen season. So. If no matter how it goes out, I understand you're going to say, oh, that didn't work. Like I will I will make the argument that it didn't work or it didn't work as well as you wanted it to. But at no point, even if Grandal bombs, am I going to sit there and say it was a horrible decision? Because I agreed with the decision wholeheartedly when it happened. And I'm not going to do the, you know, the revisionist history, pretend I didn't like it from the, you know, from the jump. I mean, like I liked when they signed Jeff Kepinger. I thought that was a good move. I completely understood the move. It was it was a horrible, horrible, horrible outcome. But I was like, when it happened, I was like, no, I get it. So I'm not. I didn't bash him for it, even though it didn't work out. And I feel like I would be that same way with Grandall. So if they win it in 2020 and then he sucks for three years, it's that'll suck that he sucked for three years of the four he was here. But I won't be upset about the move, nor will I think it was a bad move. I think that the move made sense at the time, and it just didn't work out. That said, 90% of fans, I don't think, think that way. I I would say, and really, 
I don't know if this is really a compliment, but it's just saying that they're professionals that rare, and especially with Han, because everything is always like so logic out. There's rare that he makes a move. There's always moves that I have misgivings or, or there's risks for this to not work out. There's rare to move that he makes that I'm just like, well, this is just complete gibberish. Because like uh-huh. Adam LaRoche, I wasn't like, yeah, there's a lot Make of risks. No He's really old. Yeah, This really could blow up. But I get it. It's two years. He's coming off a big year. You know, yeah, I, I understand this. Um, I would say same with Kepiger. I was full-throated like, Adam Dunn, I'm glad they responded this way. Like, I'm tired of them patching away yes dh guys they got a proven top dh on the market like yeah he's he's getting older yeah the last the season before this wasn't his best one but like they they went and spent for the 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 most proven dh on the market that's good i'm glad they're not doing a half measure like i was definitely full-throated like this is good and i would also be full-throated it didn't work out and you can't sell me on the bounce back here in 2012 as having justified like literally a you know historically awful 2011 and then very two very mediocre seasons after that even though you expect them to be mediocre in the second half of that deal the the first year bottoming out the way it did there was no justifying that contract for there was no way dunn could live up to that contract after that mm-hmm. and i mean yeah, to the dunn point like i my feelings about the signing at the time can be best described in the fact that I bought a Dunn jersey. Like, like I, I was thrilled with the move. So to, to after it worked out the way it did for me to go back and say they were like morons or idiots for making that decision, it would be completely disingenuous. I was 100% on board. It just it didn't work out. But again, 90% of fans really don't think that way. And I'm not it's not a judgment. I just think that with sports, you know, you approach it however you want to approach it. So everybody's gonna feel differently. What what each thing means to you is different to every single person. So I would approach it that way. Most fans from my experience wouldn't, and that's just the kind of way it goes. Yeah, you know, you're saying it without judgment, but there is the implicit statement in there that you we we feel that we're better than them as a result. Well, listen, I <laughs> I would never say that I am better than anybody, but you would, a lot of you people would just do expect say it, it to be known. Yeah, a lot of people do say it. I would never say it myself, but that's part of you, know, you hear it. You hear it from others that 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 I'm better than than them. Like people just come up to me on the street and say, "You are a better human being than I am," or "I can never hope to be," and I just put my hand on their shoulder and I don't speak to them because why would I? But I just I let them know I heard them, and then I move on and I wash my hands. Well, we uh, we managed to knock out like 15 minutes before um, we even got to any of our rundown. <laughs> Hell yeah, we're going an hour today, baby. Don't know if this Hope, boat's good or bad. Hope Cam doesn't have any hard outs this afternoon. There are certain times you don't want to go to a doctor's office for a medical visit. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment's right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
We are we are drafting baseball movies. Uh, like our other drafts, it'll be four rounds. Like the last draft, even though he was fucking terrible in it, Cam will be participating in this draft. And since I won Deeply the poll, since I won the poll, the people spoke. All right. I get to determine the draft order. And I am going to go first. Cam is going to go second. And James, you'll go third. And of course, it's a serpentine draft, so you'll also get the fourth pick. So with the first pick of the White Sox business baseball movies draft, I'm taking my favorite baseball movie. I'm taking Major League. Oh. Thoughts? Uh, it's a good pick. Um, I would it's it's it was on my board. I don't think it was a I don't think it was first overall for me, but I think this is good value of the top pick. Uh, just in terms of like general appeal, um, mm-hmm. me just being weirdly into idiosyncratic or just like fake movie pretentious would lead to me not picking it first overall. But uh, I'm almost glad I'm removed of the burden of it being on the board because I think there would be some obligation to uh, to put it first overall. Um, so, so yeah, I, respect to you. Yeah, I just I mean I it might not be the best baseball movie ever it's my favorite but also it's just it's like one of those things since I, I wanted to make sure i had it which is why i gave myself the first pick and there was clearly there was i don't i mean unless well god knows with cam but i didn't think there was much of a chance of it falling back to me in the second round so i, I just wanted to make sure i got it I, I love the movie even if it is about the cleveland indians and even if in the second one which i didn't take which is still on the board if somebody does want to take it the white Sox are portrayed as villains but that actually kind of made it cooler to me because it was nice to see the White Sox being the bad guy for once. Anyways, Cam. Well, the highly competent bad guys. It's yeah. Like, they had to be built up to be really good to be a, a proper threat. So that that was just seeing them, like, be, be an efficient operation is just very. I remember as a kid being like, yeah. This, yeah. We got, a, like, in we the got first, a freaking MVP quality catcher that we traded for mid-year. Uh yeah, in the in the first one, it's like you know the Yankees are the bad guys, and then in the second one, when they make the White Sox the bad guys, they are implicit. Well, you know, they're they're kind of saying the White Sox are as good as the Yankees, or you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's right. I know it's just because they have realigned divisions, but and the Chicago's the biggest market in that division. But no, nah, yeah, White Sox and the Yankees pretty much have the same history. Cam, you're up with the second pick. Where you I have going? a real quick question, uh, and sure. it involves sequels and other iterations like remakes. So if you were to, as you just selected Major League, does that also mean you have Major League 2? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. So, okay. All are separate. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to kind of play with the same mindset you had you had, and kind of go with nostalgia. And my favorite baseball movie was the first one I saw, and that was The Sandlot. So second overall pick in the White Sox business movie draft, I'm going to go Sandlot. I can dig it. It was on my board. It was yeah. up there. I yeah, I, you know, I love I'm with you. I when I when I first saw the Sandlot, I loved it and I still it still holds a very special place in my heart, but when you watch it now, right. It's, when when you can reflect on it from an older lens or a more mature lens, it doesn't have the the same luster it did when you watched it when you were like seven, like me, for example. And I know there are other movies up there like Field of Dreams. I could even make a case for Moneyball because I really enjoy that movie, but I'm playing off nostalgia. Yeah, and I don't even mean from like the whole, well, it's problematic when he kisses the lifeguard. <laughs> it's assault. <laughs> I just mean that like the whole movie itself is just, it's... It's a little too hokey for you as an adult, but it still has yeah. that nostalgia appeal of when you first saw it. I mean, it is problematic, but isn't the <laughs> isn't the 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 kids are behaving poorly? Like, isn't that kind of established? 
Yeah, they're not. You know, they're, they're not. You let your well son eat edibles. People. What are you talking about? You I don't have no let right him. To talk. You're a, a terrible. You're a terrible parental he's figure. He's seventeen. That's probably like he's not of, legal. That's probably, I don't know what the the law in Turkey is. Isn't he a citizen of the United States? He's, he was, he's a Jamaican national. Uh, <laughs> if he was a citizen of the United States, he'd be able to like play in the freaking World Cup, but he's not. There's not not a great decision by us. The kid's Jamaican. <laughs> like there was ever a chance he wasn't going to be into drugs. Come on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm debating whether to cut that out or just leave it in. <laughs> it's a joke. James is Jamaican. <laughs> As a Jamaican, the, this is both offensive and true. I don't know where to stand on it. <laughs> can it's you do Jamaican me a favor? And crazy. Can you speak on behalf of all Jamaicans in the world and tell them, tell everybody that it's fine? It's legal for a reason. Okay, yeah, I know it's weed. Who cares? <laughs> like the three of us are literally we're high right now. All three of us high on good times. Yeah, I mean caffeine is a stimulant. I mean James. seriously, they they finally legalize it in Illinois, and then a pandemic hits. What the fuck? <laughs> James, you're up. You got the next two picks. Well, I'm going to pick, I mean, my favorite uh, baseball movie. And also, but not the favorite baseball movie of the Giolito family, uh, A League of Their Own. Ooh, damn it. I I had that. That was third on my board. I was hoping it would come back to me. I mean, it's it's both like a great story. Um, My sister is, uh, I don't know. Any partner my sister has is eventually is at some point competing uh, against the possibility that uh, Gina Davis in full baseball uniform will walk into the door and my my sister will leave whoever she's with to, to leave with Gina Davis. So that that kind of hangs over to the family. And I, like I don't know of any movies where I'm as invested in the results of the game that's a fake game as I am in like the final World Series of League of Their Own. So um, well, here's. Here's a question for you then, off of that, before we move on to your next pick. Does Dottie drop the ball on purpose, or did, did Kit knock it out? She dropped the ball on purpose. It doesn't squirt out the way a ball that's knocked out. Unless, like, Dottie is, like, dead out cold you know, on the dirt. Like, a ball doesn't just kind of trickle out of your hand on contact like that. Yeah. Like, if you're knocking it out. She opens her hand. Yeah. It's it's and, not like the it's not like the you see it like her hand hits and the ball pops out. She literally her hand hits the ground and she opens her fingers. Yeah, and like the the, the foreshadowing the movie about feeling sorry for Kit, like even though like there's the little misdirection of her being ruthless and wanting to strike her on high fastballs. Once it gets to that point where Kit's rounding third and she realizes this could be your moment, and the way she watches her celebrate afterwards, it's clear. I I, I feel like there's. It's not like she just like threw the game entirely. Like, let me just throw this like dead out of my hand. But I think she definitely let it go. Also, well, your sister's into Gina Davis. I'm more. That was Madonna at her peak. So that was more for me. That should have that- been Lindsay Frost. Damn it! <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Gio. I'm sorry that it wasn't your mom. But I'm just saying. For me, in that movie, I mean, I love the movie because it's a great movie and there's tons of great performances in it. And Tom Hanks is amazing in it, too. But as far as the attractive the attractive player quotient, your sister's on Gina Davis. I was Madonna. Who were you? Uh, hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Because I was not objectifying the characters. I don't know. I, I guess, um, <laughs> I mean, 
those those two are the picks, I guess. Cam, my girlfriend loves League of Their Own, but I've not seen a League <gasps> of Their Own. I've seen it like fifteen so, freaking times. So, you need to see and, it. it's a great and the movie. reason I bring that up is because now I have an excuse to watch it to o- to ogle she, the uh, the Madonna <laughs> and all of the other. Well, I don't know if I can in the presence of. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna stop there. <laughs> All right, James. Now you're still up. You get another pick. Well, this is not the next item on my board, but I'm drafting for value here. Um, so I'm gonna take Bad News Bears. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good pick. Good pick. That's Good a solid pick. one. My first foray with Bad News Bears was the Billy Bob Thornton iteration. And Ooh, I'm it, sorry. It kind that. of yeah, it kind of <laughs> soured when I went back to watch the original. Uh, but I suppose I'm up, and I'm gonna go and try to fill out my movie squad based off a of genre. So I kind of have like the lighthearted slash comedy genre filled out with the Sandlot. I want to go more of the drama approach with Moneyball. Uh, I mean, of course, Jonah Hill was nominated for best supporting role in that movie too. So I mean. Kind of get, uh, kind of get some props with that one too. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the the book was better move. Okay. <laughs> no, Who I mean, reads as I look I was, at the rundown. I was surprised, like you know, having like everybody, like I would say, most of the people listening to this, having like read Moneyball when I found out they were making a movie out of it, I was kind of like, oh, oh, okay. You know, I was very, very skeptical about like. Oh, and what's the story going to be like how are you going to moveify this and i will say i did enjoy it i don't think it was great but i do think that it was maybe it's because i had low expectations but i was like no okay this is good although the stuff with like his daughter was like exceedingly right. annoying to me because i was like okay well we have to put that in because we got to make you know we got to have the tug at the heartstrings kind of thing but it's yeah overall it was a good movie well i thought what what the best part about that was it really focused on Billy Beans, kind of the the stress and the strain that he felt because of such a radical move he was making in the baseball sphere, and you really felt that pressure that if you know shit didn't pan out, everything was going to go to pot. I thought that was uh, definitely noteworthy. I didn't really enjoy it, <laughs> and I think it was very much like I knew the story. And I, I just want like I, I was probably like I don't know I wasn't I would be a mistake to say I was too close to it because I didn't like work for the A's or I wasn't even like in media while it was happening. But it's very much like I knew all the facts around it, and so I feel like I focused on everything that was like dramatized for the movie mm-hmm, sake, yeah, and everything that like was maybe an oversimplification of how something worked, or I'd, I'd focus on something like the way Art Howe is portrayed, and it was just and because I want more information and I wanted like more inside uh, stuff. Like every time they like spent two minutes, like with Billy being sitting in an empty stadium, I'm like, Oh fucking get All right. Yeah. It was art. Get get on with it. Like tell me more like inside baseball stuff about how it worked. But I got out of the movie and my wife, who's not into baseball at all. was like, that was really interesting. And I was like, Oh, that's probably like the audience that they're going for. Like general audience. Like if they made a movie that was about like some accounting drama, probably like people who were like worked in forensic accounting be like well that's not really how it worked and it would be like insufferable about it whereas like me i'd be like oh they, they were, I was, that was a really interesting story 
like I, I realized, love accounting now. Yeah, I realized like the movie is not for people who are already super in and super informed on baseball statistics. It's trying to explain that why this was dramatic to a general audience, and it it probably did a good job at that. So I should just accept it and shut up. But I'm not going to draft it. <laughs> Going yeah, it's kind of like for... Dexter. If you're a serial killer and you watch Dexter, you're like, no, nah, that's not really. No, how it you, works. You, they would <laughs> still yeah, be able to track the, the blood splatter. splatter. You didn't do enough to clean up. <laughs> you can't get away with that shit. You can't just use Clorox wipes. Yeah, he, he, this would take hours. He's already back at home. I did not like Dexter at all. Is it because you're as a serial killer that? Yeah, it's about to yeah, <laughs> that's why. No, I, I, I watched it like Lynn. Lynn watched it. I watched the first season with her, and I was just like, I, I, this season is one is by far the most notable season. Which I mean, it it doesn't say a lot about the series because seasons two through four are also good, just not as great as the setup season. But then it falls off. I think five. I think it was eight seasons, five through eight. I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah. Going back to James's Bad News Bears pick, though, that's that's a movie that there is absolutely... I, there was the remake with Billy Bob Thornton, but it was a different version. But I feel like with considering it's like a drunk former minor leaguer coaching a bunch of ragtag kids, and he's not exactly what you would consider PC, That that's a movie that could not be made today. I mean, it should be, given sense. that of all the... What happened to this guy? Uh, stories that we've had to write during the shutdown and like mm-hmm. calling up old guys and they're all in coaching. Not to imply anyone specifically I've talked to is this, but there's probably some guys who are just like are that kind of like bitter minor league guy coaching kids. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not anyone I've done a story on, and I was not trying to make the implication. I should stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well then, ah oh, shit. Okay. I have a bit of a decision here because I feel like there are two obvious movies still on the board, but I don't want to take both of them because there is another movie that I do want to take for sure. So it's like I got to figure out which one of the obvious picks I'm going to leave off. So I'm going to buy myself some time by taking sugar with my next pick. Damn it! Yeah. Sorry. I, I thought I honestly thought you were going to take that with one of your first. I was picks. going to, but I figured like these Philistines won't. No. Damn it. Like I, I actually, I also thought there was a chance that Cam was going to take it when he started with the whole, you know, I took like the fun, you know, whatever child version, and I was like, okay, so he's if we're going the other direction, it's going to be Sugar, which is a baseball not movie, it. but it is not like a feel good baseball movie. It's pretty much just a depiction of what it's like to be a Dominican coming from the Dominican as a baseball player to the United States and trying to, you know adjust to life in america it is it's a great movie it is not like a super everything happy fun time kind of movie james just a just a a perfect film about how baseball is a unforgiving grind and who wants to deal with the shit anymore let me just walk away and make chairs (laughs) all right so with my next pick I'll take Field of Dreams. Yeah. Baseball, Ray. Baseball. I mean, I don't know what there is really to say. I, I feel like it's... I I think it is overblown quite a bit for, you know, people like the people that rate it. I enjoy it. I don't think it's a great movie, but again, this is what the seventh pick of the draft. So I'm getting extremely good value here. 
I don't think, I mean, they're building it in Iowa this year for the White Sox and Yankees, but I don't think anybody will come. So that's too bad. But it's, it's a good baseball movie. It's, it hits all the right notes about, you know, I don't know what baseball, the, the romanticized version of it and what it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're getting extreme value being the seventh pick. I think you hit the nail on the head, though. It's just an enjoyable movie. I thought it was really perplexing, like the juxtaposition when Costner is walking the streets trying to find Moonlight Jackson. All of a sudden, he just randomly flows back in time. And then Moonlight Jackson, when he leaves the field, suddenly has the magic touch to... I mean, he doesn't even like do a full diagnostic check on his daughter who just fell off a like eight-story bench and just landed square on her head. Just walks over to her and touches her forehead like, nah, you shake it off, you're fine, you're good. And then takes another swig of whiskey and walks away. It's just like, there are just some weird things that are not addressed. And, but I mean, I get it. It's, it's an enjoyable movie overall. James, do you have any thoughts? What did you pick again? Field of Dreams? Oh, uh, just wouldn't not on the board. Non-prospect. Not wow. not a Field wow. of Dreams person. Put me in the camp with Tim Anderson on Field of Dreams. Wow. Oh, Tim Anderson has, I guess, a, a non-popular viewpoint on, on Field of Dreams, too. I don't think it's that non-popular. I only think other people have said, like, the, he's never seen it. And he doesn't have, like, a particular interest in seeing it. Hmm. Interesting. But you have seen it, though. I have. And you hate it. It's just, like, really hokey. It's because you hate Shoeless Joe Jackson? That's what I'm taking from it. Yeah. Uh, screw him. Yeah. James James thinks that Shoeless Joe Jackson should have been in prison for what he did. Cam, you're up next. Um, I'm just going to go for value and scoop up Bull Durham. I, I don't really think there's too much question here. All right. Uh, there is one question. Is Bull Durham even a baseball movie, or is it a romantic comedy with baseball in the background? Uh, the latter. See that? Yeah, that's. I, I. I mean, it's. It's no problem with it being drafted. It should be drafted, but that's. That's always been my problem with Bull Durham. It's like I don't. I. I don't think that's an actual baseball movie as much as it uses baseball. But what quantifies a qualifies a baseball movie? Like if it's base. If it's about baseball, if like that's the setting, I feel like that's enough. Like every movie is going to have like some drama in it beyond just like I don't know the AL Central race, but the I think the Tom's point is the focus of the movie is more on the romantic kind of yeah. uh, that side of things. Yeah, the, every every it, movie it's not we've, so much on baseball. Every movie we've taken to this point has some drama or conflict off the baseball field at the at the part of the story, but. At its the core, core of the story is either like the player or a team or an executive. You know what I mean? That's job. You know, so it's whereas Bull Durham is takes place in a minor league town and is focused around minor league baseball players and a woman that they love. And it's you know, it's to me, it's more romantic comedy than baseball movie. But I, I don't think it's one or the other. I just think that if you were going to go percentage wise, I would say fifty five percent romantic comedy, forty five percent baseball. Ah, well, I've never seen it all the way through, so whatever. Oh, so look at this guy. He's defending a movie he hasn't even seen. I wasn't defending the movie. What I was defending the right to like Twitter? a movie that's just not that that just its setting is baseball and and can be about more than that. Like is 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 a not that it's on the board either, but is like Summer Catch like a baseball movie? Like it's it's about him trying to chase Jessica Beale the whole freaking time. Which is something I understand and relate to, but Summer Catch, not on my board. I mean, it's not either, but 
Just saying. Here's the thing. I feel like here's one way to put it is whether it's a baseball movie or not. Baseball fans can like baseball movies. And I guess this kind of goes to your point on Moneyball. But if there are a whole lot of people who don't like baseball who think it's a great movie, then it probably wasn't a baseball movie. Wow. Once you again, know what I mean? Once, once again, establishing your, your betterness than the rest of the world. It's, I'm not a. <laughs> what does that hands. have to do with just being wash better? your hands? <laughs> what does that? I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying if you don't care about if if a movie is about a topic you don't care about, you're probably not going to like that movie that much. So yeah, it's just I like like you said, James. If if it's an accounting movie, most people aren't going to like it. But if it's a movie about an accountant, then people will like it. You get what I'm saying? So it's not an accountant movie. It's a movie about an accountant. Yeah. I mean, there were some accountant uh, montages in the movie The Accountant. <laughs> yeah, <and that's, laughs> which, which was definitely a movie about accounting. All right, James, uh, you're up. You get to make the next two picks. Okay. Well, Your I guess, final two picks. Yeah. Um, so I guess the whole value strategy thing doesn't really play in anymore since I'm out of stuff. Uh, I... We'll pick, and I bet this is not on anyone's board, is uh, Soul of the Game, which was the uh, HBO like movie from like the 90s about the Negro Leagues, about Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson with like at, uh, Delroy Lindo number, in it. It's at number 11 on my board. Ah, well, uh, that was going to be like my like last pick because I figured it wouldn't get picked. But obviously that strategy was not so great. Um I don't, I don't know if, like, Soul of the Game was, like, a perfectly made movie of any kind, but, like, I, I just found it very, I found it very, like, it's, one, it's about a topic that I'm extremely interested in, but also it seemed like it was dealt with with a frankness about the characters that uh, I don't think is necessarily present in a lot of, like, historical baseball movies. Like, I felt like 42 was pretty, like, probably watered down and very mm-hmm. more idealistic, whereas this was more... Um, I feel like it was probably more honest about the characters of uh, of Paige and Gibson and uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah, and, whereas, uh, whereas 42 acted like Jackie Robinson and uh, what's his name? Branch Rickey solved racism. <laughs> yeah, it was probably like 42 seems like it was like a dream sequence inside of Branch Rickey's actual head about how mm-hmm. everything would play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, my, my value pick was going to be uh, just eight men out. Um, it's not a it's not a perfect recollection. Um, maybe I would have preferred uh, the drunk history version of uh, Eight Men Out over Eight Men Out, the real movie. <laughs> just because it would have captions like Charles Kaminsky, huge asshole, like underneath it. But yeah, it, it's a classic movie. It's it's well done. Um, I don't hate Chulis Joe Jackson, so that would just... No, that's that would, that that's would literally... I was about to say, that's the only reason you're taking it, is to counter the accusations that <laughs> yeah, you hate This is a bit Joe. of like an image uh, shaping... Um, <laughs> like when teams draft somebody who like is uh, fighting like cancer in the 40th round or something like that to, to rehab their image a little bit. This this is me with a uh, hate men out. Yeah, I, going back to Soul of the Game, I... I agree with you. I don't think it's a great movie, but the reason I liked it was simply because it was a kind of story that I hadn't really heard before. Exactly. So for that, it just kind of was like, oh, okay, I'm actually 
going in a direction I haven't typically been taken before, and this is new and interesting to me. So I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it was like, oh wow, it, was, it wasn't the best written, greatest story ever, but it was an interesting movie. It's something I was wondering. Uh, here's here's another reason to to get sold the game. Oba Babatunde plays a character named Cum Posey in it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was I also, by the way, that was Delroy Lindo, a fantastic Satchel Page. And I was also like, hey, that's Bubba Gump. Or that's, yeah, that's, that's what's his name? Um, Bubba from Forrest Gump as Josh Gibson. So I was like, I know him. Okay, Cam. Screw need, screw collective popularity. I'm going with the Benchwarmers with my final pick. I bet that was on everyone's board. That was not on my board. Not on the board. Talk about the talk about. I don't think I've ever seen it, so uh, I can't. It's a really... it's a fantastic comedy. It's not a fantastic comedy, but it's a comedy slapstick comedy in the ilk of Adam Sandler, David Spade, Rob Schneider. Uh, oh wow! John I'm looking at the I'm looking at the IMDb Hader. right now. Here's you ready for the cast? John Hader, I think, is the other guy in it. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, it's it's Rob Schneider, David Spade, John Hader, John Lovitz, Craig Kilborn. Former MTV and super host and supermodel Molly Sims, Tim Meadows, Nick, Nick Swartzen. Swartzen. That's that's who it is. Not Swanson. Swartzen. Yeah. Just. It's like everyone in the background of an Adam Sandler movie. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> all it's all the background cast. Like Adam, this was probably made when Adam was doing like Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> These guys are like shit. We got nothing to do. Let's make. There our are just movie. moments in that movie though when uh, the. The opposing team's pitcher walks up to the umpire and hands him a scribbled piece of paper that says, I am 12 with a $20 bill in it. Tons of gifts with that, and it's referenced often. And then I think it's John Hader. He's at bat, and they have the baseball bat taped to his hands, and he lo- somehow loses his handle on the bat, and there are kid commentators like, oh, the bat just drilled a squirrel on the head. That squirrel's going to feel it in the morning. Like There are just some weird slapsticks moments in there that that I remember fondly. Those are some amazing bowl cuts that both David Spade and Nick Swartzen have in this movie. Just looking I've, through the photos just, on IMDb. Just flipping through, through some reviews. Stupidity this epic can only be the deliberate work of cynical opportunists. Um, <laughs> the bench warmers is better than it should have been, but that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> well, it did its job. <laughs> so how old were you when you saw this movie, Cam? 13, 14? We'll say 13 or 14, sure. <laughs> Let's see, I'm 24 now. Yesterday was May So you were 20th. eight. Okay, well, now it makes a lot yep. more sense. <laughs> Eight-year-old Cam, like, this This should win the Oscar, if I'm being honest. A squirrel got hit. <laughs> All right. Uh, the final pick of the draft, James took two of my final four on my board. Well, it, I... Never forget. Benchwarmer's not on the board, sugar. so I'm left with. I had it. I I stuck with twelve movies on my board this time because I didn't think you know, like with our sports draft, I didn't have to worry about variety. Uh, I really that. considered being an ultimate prick and just picking documentaries to make you all feel uncultured. <laughs> no, I I didn't want. To, I could have done documentaries, but I I have two choices here. I have to choose between like an old movie that I liked, but I don't know how many people are really familiar with it. And another oldish movie that I feel like when I was growing up was portrayed as a great baseball movie, but having watched it myself, 
I was I didn't think it was anything that amazing. So what I'm I think I just figured it out I'm going to take the one that I liked, even if others might not like it as much. I'm taking the Pride of the Yankees. Never didn't seen see it. it. Yeah, see, that's exactly what I figured because you guys are you millennials think no, that anything here we that go. came you millennials think that anything that came before you doesn't fucking matter except when you want to bitch about it and blame somebody for what's wrong with you. Yeah, basically, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna shake yeah. Tom's hands and he's gonna go wash his. At least, at least James is honest about what he is. <laughs> I can't be honest with myself. I'm just this vapid, uncultured swine. The pride of the Yankees, Gary Cooper as Lou Gehrig. It's the, it's basically the Lou Gehrig story for the most part. It's like you know, it's like Brian's song, but I think it's a better movie. Isn't "Bang the Drum Slowly" like Brian's song? Yeah, that too. But I think this is I think Pride of the Yankees is the much better version. I mean, it was made during World War II, so you know. Are there just like some anti-Japanese slurs like thrown in as a result? Babe Ruth is in it. All right. Babe Ruth is in the movie as Babe Ruth. How old was he at that point? I probably I would say he was like well, I mean, let's be real. Babe Ruth, even when he was 25, looked like he was 45. Right. So what do you look like at 40? <laughs> he looked like he was 40. He did nothing really changed with him. <laughs> no, that's nice. But yeah, it's it's just basically the story of Luke Eric. It's a really good movie. I enjoyed it. So to summarize the draft, by the way, the other movie I was considering that I, that has been hailed as like a classic baseball movie, which I never thought is a classic, is The Natural. Mm. Mm. I didn't like, did, did you guys, have you seen it? Yeah. It was Did you like, like it um, that much? Sorry. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> we'll wait on you. Yeah. Go ahead. Take your time. No big deal. I know uh, Cam I, hasn't seen it. It was made before 1995. I, I, I saw it as like a kid and like I don't have super sharp memories of all the plot. I know it gets shot. But that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty freaking metal. Uh, and I remember the final scene and that being like super dramatic. And I remember hating the theme music because the Rangers would play it after they hit home runs off the, you know, my favorite team. I mean, Sandlot was made in 93 and I've seen Bad News Bears, which was 76. So, yeah. No. Suck on that. Put, put me in my place. All right. But yeah, to recap, <laughs> I went first. I took Major League, Sugar, Field of Dreams, and the Pride of the Yankees. Cam went second. He took the Sandlot, Moneyball, Bull Durham, and the Benchwarmers. James went third. He took a league of their own. Bad News Bears, Soul of the Game, and Eight Men Out. I think and it's going to be interesting to see how the voting goes. I don't think there's a clear winner here. I think we all had pretty solid drafts except for Cam because he took the bench warmers, and that'll probably kill him. But at the same time, Pride of the Yankees will probably kill me, so I'm going to make the prediction that James wins. I think Cam's stupid comedy will probably actually help him. My, I think the, the biggest weapon I wield in this draft is that I just picked a lot of mass popular movies um, and – and I think that also reflects poorly on me because I'm not as baseball literate as you guys picking the other options you guys did. Baseball so, I mean, was redundant. But in that I mean, sentence. but I mean, you know, still. Uh, I surprised no one uh, suggested trouble with the curve where a heroic old scout talks a team out of drafting a 18 year old high school first baseman who's like already 270 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Crazy. Uh, all right. Do we, we were going to talk about Tiago, but I also have something I want to talk about that was cut from Monday's show, and we're already at like 45 minutes. 
So let's not dwell too long on it. But James, big news in Tiago's career. He's he's on his way to Portugal in a in a few Eventually, months. Eventually, like yeah. For a little while. Tiago uh not understanding how rules worked. <laughs> Maybe his uh his his handlers didn't understand how rules work. Um Maybe a spread of frustration after being benched for, uh, you know, the Europa Cup or UEFA or whatever the hell it's called. Um, requested to be put on the loan list, not realizing the loan timeline works the same way the transfer <laughs> timeline does, where it can only happen during a specific month. Uh-huh. Uh, so he did that in middle of February, um, realizing his mistake, requested to be taken off uh, the transfer, the, the loan list or whatever it is. Um, had that request denied twice by his coach, which doesn't seem like a great sign. And uh, but uh, as of um, last week, uh, they reached an agreement to send him to Portugal. Uh, Sporting CP. I, I don't really. I, I understood it's Portugal, so it's better. And yeah, it's it's a little better. He'll get a raise, which is nice. Uh, he'll be able to afford uh, the VR goggles that he had his eyes on. Um, for reasons that, as is his father, <laughs> too too bashful to really ask, uh, hoping it's not anything too slanderous. But uh, he, he's probably going to not play very often over the next four months. Uh, he is, still has to remain in this awfully, just horrendously toxic uh, relationship with Besiktas, who are probably going only going to play him when they're resting their starting forward, who is uh, much less talented and much less productive, but not in a complete ridiculous doghouse situation with their manager uh whose name tiago still can't pronounce which really can't be uh helping the relationship at all yeah you know hopefully things go better in portugal he'll try to be a lot better behaved learn from how horrifically he's biffed this situation to not immediately poison his uh his coach against them after his first like month of good games like he did here just gonna say he better learn to pass he passes fine he just needs to maybe not like you know, pitch a fit the first time he doesn't start for a couple of weeks. Maybe be a bit more patient. I don't know. Probably lost some crucial development time at age 17. Well, well, well best of luck to young Tiago in Portugal. Getting less young by the day. Yeah. They grow up so fast, James. He did have four goals in a game his last time out, which would be hilarious to next, uh, you know, not play for another month. Which is exactly what's going to happen because he's kind of an asshole. Or yeah. at least his handlers are. He's got a cool beard now. Speaking of assholes, I, I had originally planned to talk about this on Monday, a day after the conclusion of The Last Dance on ESPN, but our Cammy Cam had to weave because he believes there are things more important than this show, which... Numbers would indicate that's correct. <laughs> I was going to say anything, but now I need to. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> during the last two episodes of The Last Dance on Sunday night, they they covered the flu game, you know, from the 97 NBA Finals. If you don't know it, quick summary, it was game five of the NBA Finals. Michael Jordan had the flu. He still played. He played really well. He helped the Bulls take a 3-2 lead in the series. They would clinch the title the next game at home in game six. But anyway, the story in the documentary is from Jordan himself was that it wasn't the flu. It was food poisoning, and this is where I started to get annoyed while watching on Sunday night. <clears throat> not with <clears throat> sorry, not with what Jordan said, but with the reaction to it, because 
I immediately began to see like a flood of the same old dumb bullshit that I've heard for years about the flu game and everything. The dumbest of which was that it wasn't the flu or food poisoning and that Jordan was actually hungover. The people who believe this are some of the biggest morons in the world. Because first of all, I saw some of those same people using the the food poisoning story as proof that it was a hangover because, you know, they're like, oh, now he's just decided to say that it was food poisoning. Well, no, that's not the case. The food poisoning story wasn't new. Just because you heard it for the first time doesn't mean it was new. It's been out and known for at least a decade, probably longer. It might be closer to 15 years. I don't know exactly when it first came out, but it is not a new story. But getting past that, if you watched this documentary, what is the running theme about Michael Jordan? It's that he's so goddamn determined to win and be the best basketball player in the world that he never stopped to really think about the way he treated other people or how that affected his relationships with them. Nor did he give a shit because all he cared about was basketball and winning and winning more than anything. And you're dumb enough to believe that a man who approached basketball in his life that way was dumb enough to go out drinking the night before a game and drink so much before a must-win NBA Finals game that he would be extremely hungover the next night for the game. You're supposed to believe that he did all this not only before a Finals game, but in Salt Lake City, which is not exactly a city known for, you know, thriving nightlife. Or maybe, I guess you could say, he just sat in his hotel room and chugged a handle of vodka. That's the story you're trying to sell while calling bullshit on Jordan's food poisoning story. And speaking of the food poisoning and Salt Lake City, this brings me to another point. It's certainly possible that Jordan and his, you know, his company, his trainer, his, his security guard are embellishing the pizza story. In fact, I'm pretty sure they are because time has a strange way of making all of our stories a little different. You know, the, the fish we catch become bigger as the years pass along. But let's not pretend that none of what Jordan claims happened is impossible or unrealistic because you have to remember this again. This is Salt Lake City we're talking about. I would wager that every NBA team that comes to play the Jazz stays in the same hotel. The city's not exactly a huge tourist destination compared to other cities in the United States, so I doubt that it has a bunch of luxury hotel chains. Also, we need to remember the format of the NBA Finals. You play two games at home, then there's three in the other city, and then two games at home. This was game five. That means it was the third straight game that the Bulls were playing in Utah. That means they'd been staying in that same hotel for about a week at the time of this supposed pizza ordering. Let's also remember that as the documentary showed us, Jordan was basically caged in his hotel room on the road because he couldn't go out in public without being mobbed. So the pizza he ordered might not have been the first pizza, might have been the second. This pizza place, likely close to the hotel room, had probably delivered pizzas to NBA players at that hotel plenty of times before, and maybe it remembered delivering a pizza to Michael Jordan in a certain room number a few nights before. Or even if that's not the case, the pizza place is likely smart enough to know that a delivery order coming in that late at night to be delivered to that hotel where all the NBA teams play just might be a pizza for an NBA player. So, yeah, it's it's not a great look that... You would send five people to deliver a pizza. That does seem weird, but it's also not crazy to think that multiple people would want to deliver the pizza, not just to see a famous person, but also with the premise that we might be getting a tip from a millionaire. Makes it a little more appealing to go. So 
where I where the story loses me is that I the idea that Jordan and Grover and the other guy kind of say that the where they don't say it but they imply that the food was the pizza was deliberately poisoned. I I don't buy that for a second. It might have led to food poisoning, but I don't think that there was intentional. I think that's just kind of the way they view it because of what happened. But five people probably aren't going to show up to deliver a pizza they know they fucked with because that's just gross stupidity. Though I suppose that if some of you out there still think he was hungover, I can't really overrate the possibility of gross stupidity on their part. And another mini rant. Oh, boy. Separate from this one. ESPN on, on Wednesday night showed like the movie version of Game 6, okay, of the 98 Finals. And I'd, I've seen the the re-air of it plenty of times. And I even mentioned during the, the documentary when it was on on Sunday about how Bob Costas, if you watch the re-air, just like, you'll be surprised to learn. Speaking of, we've been talking a lot on this show about people who think they're better than others. But you'll be surprised to learn that Bob Costas has a condescending tone while c- calling this game, particularly when it comes to Dennis Rodman. And oh, yeah. His, dis- his disdain for Dennis Rodman, which he does not even slightly try to hide. He takes shots at Rodman throughout the entire series, throughout his entire career of calling any game with Rodman in it. But there's at one point where Rodman and Malone get tangled and Costas blows it up into it, it being a huge deal where even Malone and Rodman are like smacking each other on the butt afterwards. Like they understood what it was. They were just tangled going for a ball. But Costas then brings up the fact that, as you see in the documentary, Rodman was doing NWO with WCW. And at that time, Malone was going to be in a WCW pay-per-view as a main event against Dennis Rodman, right? And Costas being Costas is like, why Carl Malone would lower himself to do something so you know demeaning as being in a wrestling match? It's not even a real sport, which I don't care how you feel about wrestling, but we obviously know how Costas is. But what drives me crazy is that in Bob Costas's mind, Dennis Rodman is the disgusting human being, and Carl Malone is lowering himself. The same Carl Malone who, as a sophomore in college at Louisiana Tech, not only slept with a 13-year-old girl, but impregnated her, had a child with her, and then ignored that child for its entire life to the point where even when that child finally met his father, which DNA tests prove was his father— Told the kid, eh, it's too late. I'm not your father. Don't expect anything from me. You're going to have to do it all on your own. Dennis Rodman is the person that Malone was lowering his level to because Dennis Rodman was a little different than maybe Costas prefers. But a pedophile, eh, that's fine. You shouldn't lower yourself to Rodman's level, though. Costas was just very concerned about the hygiene level at the Birdo Center. (laughs) So, yeah, I just wanted to get all that off of my chest. Apparently. I suddenly have a heart out. Why is he eating so much pizza, though, man? <laughs> <laughs> He's the greatest athlete of all time. I didn't know nutrition wasn't what it was now. You need carbs, man. A lot of pizza. You're working out like that. You don't you need, need that much carbs. dairy. But I'm here's the thing, though. At like if it's like 11 p.m. or midnight in Salt Lake City, what what else is open that you can order? Apparently nothing, but. Yeah, I mean, you have to think of the food that's available. Like, think of now, even in Chicago, when if you're out eating at 1 a.m., it's not like you could be like, it's, it's not like the the vegan juice bar is open at 1 a.m. What's, serving what, customers 24-7. What's Grover doing? Do you have a protein shake you can give him? His guy? <laughs> he wanted a pizza. He was hungry. Extremely so, yeah. hungry. Anyways, uh, I think we're about an hour. Cam's pretending he has a heart out right now, so we should probably get out. Uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week, hopefully 
there will be more news to talk about. But if there's not, you know, we could kill 20 minutes talking about random shit like we did at the start of this episode. That was that was easy to do, wasn't it? It was inspired. Yeah. I, th- I mean, we're pros. We're better than everybody. But we still appreciate you listening. Talk to you next week. <laughs>